Hi, and welcome to Make Good, the podcast about yarn and knitting from Scratch Supply Co. We're recording today in downtown Lebanon, New Hampshire, and we're really excited to be here. I'm Karen. And I'm Jessica. And today we are going to be talking about warm weather knits. Woohoo! <laughs> because it's becoming warm weather. It's hard to believe, but yeah, warm weather is upon us. <laughs> Can I tell you something that I found fascinating when we moved here? Um, yes. We met knitters who told us that they only knit seasonally. And I was shocked. Yes. <laughs> These people were like, oh, I knit during the fall and the winter and maybe early spring, but then I don't knit in the summer. And I thought, what a missed opportunity. <laughs> I mean, sure, people do other things, but like, why? Yeah. And I think that is totally a thing. But also, knitting a garment in particular takes some time. So you, you want to be like a season ahead when you're working on things, right? Definitely. You want to be ready for fall. Or you want to be ready to wear some easy breezy, beautiful, <laughs> <laughs> amazing tank top or t-shirt or something and like show off your mad knitter skills in the summer. Why yes. not? Yeah, totally. So... I think we've talked about this a little bit in previous episodes and how really knitting is a year-round thing to be doing, but what about specifically warm weather knits, things that you are knitting in order to wear them in the spring and the summer? Oh, sure. There are so many options. Like, your, your options are endless. I will say, as an aside, that one summer here, maybe the first summer we were here, it was hot, it was July. And I knit myself an Icelandic sweater, a yoked sweater out of Lopi. And you cast that on in like the hottest week of July. I did. I sat on the couch, barely dressed, because it was too hot to have on clothes and be touching that. Yeah. <laughs> I borrowed that sweater. It wasn't this past winter because of COVID. It was the winter before. I had to judge like a sled contest up on the ski hill that's in town. And mm -hmm. it was like after dark and it was very cold. And, you know, and you're not really doing like activity when you're doing something like this. You're just walking around looking at things. So there isn't that like I'm moving, I'm warm. And so I borrowed your lopey sweater and I was excessively warm in even in that situation. Yeah. I can't imagine that choice in the middle of July. It was hot. It was a poor choice, but I was ready for the two days of winter. It was cold enough to wear it. <laughs> but that's to say, like, don't make my choice. Make a good warm weather knit choice. Right. Because there are options. Gosh, where do we even start? Okay, so we're talking about Lopi. Lopi is really grabby, really non-superwash Icelandic wool. It's thick. It's heavy. It's amazing if what you want is for cold weather. What about, like, other kinds of wool in the warm weather. Can you, can you wear that? Can you knit with that? Oh, for sure. I think that people think about knitting and they're like, oh, sweaters. And they think of like heavy, warm, cozy things. But wool is super breathable. Like it is a fantastic fiber for textiles of all sorts. And, you know, you see a lot of athletic wear is made with wool now like lots of different companies do it because it's such a great breathable option that like wicks moisture away from your skin. Like it's fantastic. And the same goes for your hand knits. You can knit yourself something out of wool and have a really, really comfortable top to wear or butt shorts or whatever you're wearing, <laughs> you know, when it's, when it's sunny and warm and breezy or even kind of hot, maybe you will curate a warm weather wardrobe for yourself out of wool. 
My favorite, uh, you mentioned athletic wear, is smart wool. Yeah. Because all wool is smart wool. It is just an accurate way of describing the type of fiber. (laughs) Yeah, wool is fantastic. But you have other options too, right? Summertime and like warm spring is a great time to play with wool blends. Wool is combined with cotton sometimes. Organic cotton is ideal for this. Let's see, wool linen blends, wool hemp, wool silk. There's so many different types of wool blends that will help you achieve breezy, lightweight gauge with lots of drape and have it be something that's really comfortable for you to wear through all of your warm weather months. Well, because if you think about it, right, just going back to evolution, evolutionarily, (laughs) your sheep or your alpaca, or your camel, or your possum, or your muskox, or whatever you've got Uh that you're making this wool out of, is going to have to wear that hair full-time year-round. So it makes total sense that something that is made from animal fiber is going to be functional through the whole year. Have we talked about organic, like the difference between organic cotton and, I guess it's like vegetables, right? Conventional cotton. We may have mentioned it at some point, but tell us more. Well, so I don't, I don't super want to get into it this week. We should do like a whole episode on it. But basically, long story short, cotton uses a ton of water. It's actually really destructive for the planet, like the quantity of cotton that we're producing. And we produce a ton of cotton. So if you're buying cotton and it's available and accessible to you, organic cotton is a really good place to prioritize if you want to have positive environmental impact without giving up on nice thing. Because yeah, conventional cotton, it serves a lot of useful purposes and like it is one of those, it's one of those things. But when you have an option, the less environmentally destructive option is a good one. Agree. Definitely. (laughs) And while we're talking about like fiber options for warm weather, for lots of knitters, acrylic is something that's in regular rotation for them. Yes. And that's fine. Acrylic is a synthetic fiber and I would steer you away from acrylic for your warm weather months yes. because it doesn't breathe. Like it's just not going to be something that's comfortable to wear if you're out in the sun or you're going to be sweaty. Like you're going to feel really sweaty. Just like if you're wearing like some cool vintage polyester bowling shirt or something, you are <laughs> going to sweat and feel kind of gross. So yes. natural fibers are your best option for warm weather months. Absolutely. I was just thinking polyester like that, that mm-hmm. kind of shrink wrapped feeling. You don't want that shrink-wrapped feeling when it's hot out. Yeah, it's, it's just a whole lot of sweat that yuck. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I've decided I'm going to knit something for myself. Yeah. For the warm weather. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to pick my yarn and I'm going to stick with maybe a wool blend because I just like wool. What kinds of yarn should I be looking for in my wool blend? Is there any, are there any characteristics I should be trying to pick out? That's a good question. Let's see. I think one of the things you might consider for warmer weather months is whether your yarn is woolen spun or worsted spun. So worsted spun yarns are very tight, smooth plies. A good example of what that looks like that's kind of a common brand might be if you've ever worked with a skein of Malabrigo Rios, that worsted weight yarn, and this is independent of the weight of the yarn, like all weights of yarn, bulky, fingering, lace, whatever, could be worsted or woolen spun. Mm -hmm. But specifically, as an example for you all, Malabrigo Rios has a very tight, smooth ply. 
the twist is high and there's not a lot of like bumpiness or inconsistency in the thickness of the yarn as you're knitting. Woolen spun yarn is much lighter. There's a lot of like air in between the plies, which really helps it be like extra breathable and physically feel lighter on your body when you're wearing something that's knit with that type of yarn. Harrisville does a lot of woolen spun yarn. So if you've worked with the daylights or the nightshades, they're also the mill that Brooklyn Tweed uses for a number of their yarns. So if you've worked with Shelter or Peary, those kind of very light, lofty feeling yarns are woolen spun and they make for really fantastic warm weather garments. It's the kind of yarn that if you pull on it hard, it will kind of break, right? Yes. Like, yes, it's easier to pull apart. Uh, When we talked about our different types of fiber in an episode a couple of weeks ago, we mentioned that like there are some fibers that are very warm because they have hollow cores and they hold air in the pockets. Having a yarn like woolen spun or something like a single ply is going to give you the opposite effect where it's sort of not holding any air in the interior of the yarn. So it's like letting, it's just letting air flow. You want air flow in the summer. I feel like we spend a lot of time on this podcast talking about how we are cold weather people. We are not acclimated to any kind of heat. (laughs) Y'all, it's so bad. It was like 48, maybe 50 degrees the other day and we had to drive somewhere. And I was like, Karen, it's so hot. It's so hot. I might be dying. And like we had the windows down and I was hissing at the sun. It was terrible. Yeah. Back to the yarn and away from my physically mal-suited ability to live in this climate. The single ply yarns, there's so many options. They're really beautiful. And you can find all merino single plies. You can find silk blends. They're really lovely and make for beautifully kind of drapey, fantastic garments. So if you haven't worked with single ply fibers before, tis the season, friends. It's time (laughs) to cast on. Yeah, and working with single ply for something like this is going to give you a chance to use all of those yarns that like you bought them because they're beautiful, but single ply isn't necessarily a hearty choice for like socks or something, right? So you can Mm -hmm. use them in your warm weather top knitting. Yes. And I feel like today we're maybe kind of specifically talking about tops or like skirts because... Shawls are ubiquitous. People knit them all year round and you knit your fingering weight ones to use up all of your precious, gorgeous indie dyed skeins or big bulky shawls because you're freezing because you live somewhere really cold. But like those are not your only options. You can knit yourself whole garments that fit your amazing, wonderful body and wear them all summer and spring long. So what if I have a pattern that I really have been like looking at knitting? I want to knit this thing. But it's really better suited toward cold weather knits. Do I have to wait or just knit for the future? So I think a couple of different things. You can, you can modify it to make it work for the summer. So one of the ways you can do that is by going up a needle size, which you'll have to check your gauge and make sure that you're still knitting the, the right size for your body. But that way, it increases the space between the stitches, which means more airflow. And it's a nice drapey garment. It's going to feel more summery. It's going to give you a little bit more room in it too. I always, this is maybe just the me thing, but when it's hot out and you're wearing like tight fitting clothing, 
that always is a different feel. I think it's actually cooler to wear tight-fitting clothing because you don't trap air next to your body, but it doesn't feel like it's cooler. It feels horrible. (laughs) (laughs) So like a nice, you know, a nice drapey top. It is tough to take a sweater that has sleeves and take the sleeves off altogether, but you can always make a long sleeve sweater a short sleeve sweater by just only knitting like two inches of sleeve. And that's an option too. That definitely is. And since you've brought that up, I have a little story for you about a time (laughs) I did a bad job at that. So I, a number of years ago at this point, was knitting a Zweig sweater. And I made a number of modifications to this thing. Like I didn't knit texture in the body because I didn't want to do it. And (laughs) at some point, I had knit it with lots of positive ease. And that was great. But also I was sick of knitting it by the time I got to the sleeves and thought, you know what? This thing has a lace yoke. It's going to have short sleeves too. And the construction of that sweater is like a circular yoke. And there's a, it's a long, it's a deep yoke. So the armpit is lower than where your actual arm connects to your body. Like there's a big space there. And when I went to pick up the stitches for my armhole, I was like, perfect. I'm going to pick up these stitches and just start ribbing and made like the tiny, tiny little cap sleeve cuffs. What I should have done was pick up and knit maybe like an inch or two and add some decreases to kind of pull things together. Because what I did was created an enormous armhole for myself. And I just never really liked how it fit me. It wasn't my best job at altering the pattern. So when you're, if you're altering a long sleeve sweater, and turning it into a short sleeve one, consider how the yoke is shaped, whether it's a raglan or it's intended to have a set in sleeve or whatever the pattern is telling you. And think about how your actual human body is shaped versus how the body of the sweater is and make what modifications you need to so that the sleeves fit you how they want, because otherwise you're not going to wear it. Yeah. And I think often, even on like ready-made garments, Long sleeves fit looser under the arm than short sleeves do because there's more fabric there. There's more pull. They it's just you don't want it bunchy. Like it's a different it's a different thing. So yeah, a couple of stitches decrease. You want to make sure that your ribbing math is still going to work out. Mm-hmm. So you could even do the thing where you pick up like two extra stitches in the little. I always think of them as triangles. I don't know if they're really triangles, but in the little (laughs) triangles that are at the edge of where you bound off for under the arms, if that's the construction of the garment that you're doing, do that and then do those decreases and then maybe one more set of decreases and then go into your your little bit of sleeve, your baby sleeves. Yeah, just to kind of cinch it up a little bit because I ended up with armholes where every time I moved my arm, like you could see like right through the front of my sweater, yes, like into my armpit, like into my bra, <laughs> like everything was visible because I just didn't do a thoughtful job of constructing this altered sleeve situation. Can I just as a little bit of an aside say how glad I am that we as a society have accepted the fact that we wear like a base layer, like we wear undergarments. Because I can remember shopping for clothing as a child, and it was a big deal if you could see a bra band or a bra strap. Like, Mm -hmm. And like, that's not really the case anymore. And oh my gosh, it just makes our lives so much easier. You know what else is a really good choice for, and this isn't a way to modify an existing pattern. It's just another choice. 
is a top with lacy shoulders. Oh, yeah. This was one of the things I learned when I was taking a a massage class is when your shoulders are covered, it's like disproportionately warming to the quantity of skin that's showing. Like when we have when you have people who get cold on the massage table, it's cover their feet, cover their shoulders. Oh, or if they get warm, uncover their feet, uncover their shoulders. And it like tricks your body into thinking you're more exposed than you are. So I'm thinking specifically of the Drift Sweater, which we've both knit. Um, It's by Kristen Finlay, F-I-N-L-A-Y, that has a sort of lacy eyelet thing going on in the top fifth of the sweater. And it's very cooling. It's quite nice. It's breezy. (laughs) (laughs) And it's one where you can totally see if you're wearing a bra or an undershirt. So, And that's fine. Absolutely. Because people wear (laughs) these things on their bodies. It's okay. If you were to want to change the gauge to make a looser gauge on your top, mm-hmm. uh, you might want to go, if you're not comfortable with the idea of gauge, go back to our gauge episode, get yourself a swatch gauge of some kind, whether it's one with the like plus sign in it or one of the big squares, or just get yourself a ruler and make sure in this case, you definitely want to knit a gauge swatch so that you have something to measure and you're not going to make something either wildly too large or wildly too small in your attempts to adjust. Agree. Yeah, so changing your needle, another way to play around with gauge in the fabric of your top is to change your yarn. Oh, yeah. So say you have a pattern that calls for sport weight or DK weight, and you want it to feel lighter or drapier or whatever you want to change about it, like you could go down a yarn weight and again, knit your swatch, knit your swatch, (laughs) have lots of good information (laughs) so you can make informed choices. But I think that even with actual designs more recently, you're seeing designers encouraging you to kind of play with your options. You'll see patterns that are combinations of yarn held together to make a certain weight that may or may not actually equal what you think of as a traditionally like milled at that weight type of yarn. Right. But you're, it's like a reference to that. It's close to DK weight if you're combining strands or it's sport weight if you're holding together two strands of lace, maybe. But you know, you, you can play with what your fabric is going to be by adjusting what yarn you're using. You'll also see a difference if you work with something like a four-ply fingering weight yarn and a single-ply fingering weight yarn, you're going to get very different results, which is why swatching is so important. And block your swatch. The less intensely milled your yarn is, like the, the looser the twist, or if there may be no twist at all, the more likely it is to sort of bloom when it's blocked. So if you're knitting with a woolen spun, a single-ply, depending on, like I'm thinking about the shirt I knit, that was a wool and silk. Mm -hmm. And because silk is like, silk is pretty rigid. Yes. That one didn't really change much when I blocked it. It just kind of evened out the stitches, but the gauge didn't change a whole lot. If you were to knit something with shelter, for example, which is a woolen spun worsted weight, definitely, definitely block your swatch and block it like you're going to block your garment. If you're going to pin your garment, pin your swatch because it could, it could bloom. It could not bloom. Can we talk about chameleon yarn weights? chameleon yarn weights like how sport weight uh-huh is simultaneously sport weight but it's also fingering weight and it's also dk and dk weight yes is not only dk weight it's also worsted yes 
<laughs> so in fiber world, we call things by lots of names. <laughs> and what those names mean is often open to interpretation. If you go to your stash right now and you pull out six different skeins of DK weight yarn and lay them out like strand of yarn in a stack, they're all going to look really different. If you knit swatches on the same needle with all six of them, assuming that it's not six of the same skein of yarn, Karen, stop looking at me I'm, like that. I'm meaning specifically of, because we talked about this a little bit too, the indie dyers who get their stuff from the same place. I'm like, somebody's yes, going to yes. go pull. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So th <laughs> that's not what I mean. So if you have three skeins of indie dyed yarn and they're all 100 grams and they're all 278 yards and the same fiber content, secrets out. It's the same yarn, same yarn base that indie dyers are dyeing on. So it's from different dyers, but the fiber, if everything on that ball band is the same, it's, it's probably the same base. So that's not the example I'm talking about. Are you telling me, wait, is this the Whole Foods granola kitchen all over again? Are you telling me that the indie dyer who is dyeing out of her garage isn't also milling yarn in her backyard? Ah, scandal, <laughs> scandal. We have exposed the industry secret. I, I actually think like, are we exposing it or are we just... Freeing ourselves, freeing of ourselves, freeing everybody of, because like, I think, I think a lot of people, like, if they think about it, that would make perfect sense, but may or may not have ever thought about it before. Oh yeah. I think a lot of people definitely don't. So here's a not dirty, not really secret yeah. part of <laughs> fiber <laughs> world. Like their undyed yarn for hand dyeing particularly like smaller dyers that are not like building independent relationships with mills and having something custom blended and milled just for them. Like if you are buying yarn base and you are dyeing on that base, that base is also available to other indie dyers. So there's a lot of overlap. That's and what that's, lets them be indie dyers. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and it's fine. It's wonderful. And it also creates an opportunity for you to be like, oh, I really like this specific sock yarn. Yes. But I like that dyer's colors and I want to try it, but I really like this base. If you look at your ball band and you can see the grams, so it's a hundred gram skein or whatever it is, and the yardage and the fiber content, so say it's a 75% superwash merino, 25% nylon sock base, and another indie dyer that you've been wanting to try has a base with those numbers on it, you are in luck. It's the same actual physical yarn made beautiful by a different person. Yes. So you know that it will be the gauge that you want it to be or have the drape that you want it to have in a new and exciting color palette for you. And it's very likely, too, if you are involved with a local yarn shop that stocks a fair number of indie dyers, they can help you do that, too. If you're like, I want to knit this thing that has, you know, six contrast colors, and I want to not just pick from one dyer, but I want all the yarn to be the same. I want it all to feel the same. They can probably help you put those together because they have noticed the same thing. Mm -hmm. I hope so. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So anyways, not all the same base, but if you have, say, six different DK weight yarns that are actually different, like one's a silk blend and one is a blend with cotton and like these different things, one's a single ply, I don't know. 
and you swatch with them and look at them. They're all going to look different. The swatches that you create are going to have different gauge. They're going to have different drape. And that's because while DK weight is a category, it's kind of like a reference to a category of weight and like fiber composition and different mills create very different products. So we were talking about how worsted spun yarn and worsted weight yarn are different, Mm -hmm. but I think originally they were the same. I think it was just one specific mill and this was how they did it. And that was the weight that the yarn came out. And then that kind of got adopted as both a technique and as a standard with air quotes Mm -hmm. thickness. But like, it was just probably some guy, you know, like some Mr. Worsted in Worcestershire (laughs) was like, was was doing, was doing his thing with his mill. And now it's this, but like, it's not, you know, it's not coming off of a standardized press. We've talked about that a lot. Like there's no, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And like every mill that's out there has like different milling equipment. Things are calibrated differently. Like it's, it is what it is. And that's great. It gives you all the more options. But chameleon yarns, maybe chameleon yarns isn't a standard term, but maybe we will make it be one now. (laughs) We have called it a thing. So there it is. So you can play with what yarn you're using within reasonable range for a pattern. Absolutely. And like, you know, yeah, sport weight can be disguised as fingering weight or DK. We recently ordered some lace weight yarn that then when you look on Ravelry, it's listed as fingering weight because like, where is the line, right? And the line, Mm -hmm. it will depend a little bit too on your individual knitting practices. If you're a tight knitter versus a loose knitter, like all things are available to all people. There's a woman who knits at the store, Melania, we talk about you so much on the podcast, who doesn't care about gauge. She just straight up doesn't care. And so what she does, because she knits like her needles are on fire Mm -hmm. and has very loose gauge to begin with, she will just pick yarn. The design will call for fingering. She'll pick up some worsted yarn and she'll just knit the smallest size and hope that it works out for her. Yeah, like and and usually it kind of does. I think she's a shining example of courageous knitting. Yes. Like she is not tethered to the terms of the pattern. This is a creative process and she truly leans into that. Like I'm going to experiment. Maybe she's swatching. I don't know if I've ever had big swatch conversations with you Melania, but she is just doing the damn thing and she ends up with an amazing number of finished garments and she wears all of them and they're all kind of fantastic. So, and I think, so the reason we're talking about like courageous knitting with this warm weather knitting thing is that if you want to take a winter sweater and turn it into something you can wear in July, you kind of have to just look at it and go, well, what would I, what would I change about this to make it work in July and then do the thing and just make Mm -hmm. the changes And not be scared to change the pattern. Don't be scared to change the pattern. It's kind of the whole point of making your own clothes. Be scared to change the pattern if it's a Kate Davies seven contrast color color work part of the pattern. Other than that, just go for it. Don't even be scared then. (laughs) Just think about it one step at a time. Yeah. And kind of approach it incrementally and you can do it. Yeah. So we're talking a lot about modifying patterns. What if I don't want to modify a pattern? Are there lots of patterns out there for warm weather? There are so many. Okay, so I was just talking about my favorite shirt that I knit out of the single ply wool and silk. Mm -hmm. Um, It was the Edie by Isabel Kramer. That's a good top. I, I love that thing so much. 
Here's the other thing I really love about it. You know, at the end of some patterns that you have to go back and pick up and do like a collar on. Mm -hmm. And it's just like the, it's the impossible task because it's like this one last step and you want to be done. It's optional on that top. You don't have to finish you the You don't neckline. have to do it. You can just live your life. And I love just living my life. So yeah, that's a really good one. Can I tell you a secret? Yeah. Necklines are optional on everything it's if true. you want them to it's be, true. right? <laughs> you mentioned your Zweig. Yeah. Yep. My Zweig went to live with someone else. And it's beautiful on her. Yes. And fits her amazingly. And every time I see her wear it, I want to say, look at that. Who knit that? <laughs> I know we've both had this experience. You cast on a project and you're like, this yarn just doesn't want to be this thing. That sweater just didn't want to be your sweater. Mm -mm. And it was fortunate that I knew the exact person that it belonged to. Yes. I united them. <laughs> yeah, it does. It looks fantastic on her. It's the best. What other short sleeve sweaters do you like? Oh, I like lots of things. Um, <laughs> let's see. So I was looking actually for short sleeve sweaters the other day. I don't know why, because my queue has gone from zero to a million really fast. But the Good Day Tee from Annie Lupton is kind of a neat modular top. There's a lot of garter stitch. It's got more than one color, but it's not color work. Like it's color blocked. Oh, and nice. it just looks super comfy and like it would be a fun project to work on. And I want to say it's like a 2019 pattern, but I saw it and I thought, hmm, this is good. So this is a little bit back to making good choices with your warm weather projects. Mm -hmm. For me personally, I don't want to say it's a claustrophobia issue because I, I don't really know if that's the right way to describe it. But thinking about doing color work for me with multiple strands hanging off of it, that then when you stand up, you have to untangle yourself. And having that happen in hot weather <laughs> is a lot. So I like color blocked versus color work. Uh -huh. Like that feels good to me when we're talking about warm weather projects. I, I'm sorry. I think <laughs> the thought of just standing up and being covered in tangles of yarn I from mean, using more than one color feels very like a Karen nightmare. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's totally maybe every... not what happens, but it's to me, it is. <laughs> I, you guys, if you've never been to like our in-person knit night, which like a hasn't happened in over a year at this point and B many, many of you don't live nearby. Um, literally every time I have to stand up, I drag the yarn across the room with me. Everyone's always like, Karen, stop. And I'm like, Oh, it's fine. It's, it's true. She doesn't do that. <laughs> um, as an aside, you could join us for virtual knit night. Oh, yeah. Because knit night is virtual. We call it craft night. Yes. It's Thursdays from 5 to 8 Eastern Standard Time. And there's a Zoom link on the homepage of the Scratch website. True. So you know what? Dial in and come knit with us. Yeah. It would be fun to meet you. Or crochet or, or embroider or whatever you do. Yeah. Do your thing. Weave. We don't care what you do. Do a puzzle. Do a puzzle. Color. It's fun. Spin. Just come hang out with us. Yeah. Anyway, so back to patterns. <laughs> what about the lounging tea? Yeah, the lounging tea. So we did the lounging tea as a knit along, I want to say three years ago now, 10 years ago, at least, at least 10 years ago, some, sometime. The lounging tea is a pattern from Hohi Locatelli. Her patterns are like ready to wear inspired. So it's kind of like a classic construction, I think. Mm. It's got like little cap sleeves. It's got a very like round, it's not a crew neck, but like an open round neckline. I think there's some short row shaping by the hem, so it like dips a little bit in the back, but it's cute. It's a cute top. It takes fingering weight yarn. 
I knit mine out of yarn that I loved and also yarn that was not destined to be that project. Mm. I think because it was variegated and the way that the shoulder construction happened with like short rows and sections and like then eventually joining to work in the round, I have like some weird zigzag pooling stuff happening around my shoulders that's not my favorite because it's not like it's intentional pooling. It's what have I done? (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely a project for tonal yarn or solid yarn. It's not really a variegated or speckled yarn. Speckles would be great, but yeah. Yeah. Like the hard line, cause it was like way high contrast and beautiful yarn. It just wanted to be something else. I would also say on that one, depending on the shape of your upper arm, you may want to lengthen the ribbing on the cuffs of the little, like you like pick up. Does it have ribbing? It does. So when you're knitting this thing, it's like a, you knit yourself a tank top. And then to make the sleeves, you just pick up and do, I think it says like an inch of ribbing or something really short. Mine folds under ah. at an inch. And I think if I had done like an inch and a half, it wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. But I'm definitely not picking back a bind off to change that at this point. Like mm-hmm. it just, I just flip it back when I wear it. But flippy. <laughs> um, what about that awesome tank top you knit a couple of years ago? Andy Satterland has a bunch of short sleeve, sleeveless tops, and they're all great. Yeah, she has lots of fun summer weight patterns. And I am embarrassed to say I cannot remember the name of this tank top. But if you browse through her patterns, you will definitely find it. It's the sample that the model is wearing is like robin's egg blue and green. And this tank top is knit in pieces and seamed together. There is a lace panel that runs down the center of the back. And I knit mine in like highlighter yellow and peach. And it is intense and beautiful. And it was a lot of fun to like knit the lace panel and then like piece things together. I'm generally not. Well, you know what? Some of my favorite knits have been seamed. Yes. I almost wanted to say I'm generally not a piece together knitter, but I actually kind of like it. It's the median. Thank you. Median. Yes, because it's like a median line, like running down the middle of your back and it's beautiful. She also has a lot of really adorable cropped uh, short sleeve cardigans Mm -hmm. that would be great for like throwing on over your like sundress or whatever to go sit outside for socially distanced dinner. Yeah. Or whatever you're doing. Or like it's a cloudy, rainy summer day, so you maybe want a little something, but nothing too crazy and heavy sweater-like. Something light and breezy. I'm just going to keep saying breezy today. (laughs) And then what about Jacqueline Seaslack? Jackie Seaslack has great stuff. Her Rift tee is super cute and cropped, and Karen knit one a couple of years ago. Last summer. Yeah. Was that last summer? It was last summer because in the, I I remember really liking the tea and really hating the picture that we posted on Instagram because I was at my like peak awkward pandemic hair situation (laughs) with that. (laughs) I cannot recommend pandemic growing out a buzz cut or a buzz cut, an undercut, an asymmetrical undercut is nobody's best growing out situation. Apocalyptic TV shows have lied to us all. For real. (laughs) I love that thing. That was the one I was talking about when we were talking about modifying to fit your body. And I was like, oh, I knit myself a sports bra yeah. because I only knit it to the length. And then I have the longest torso. I'm actually, I was, I just had to look up the picture of the median 
And the model is wearing, like, I'm familiar with this top uh-huh. that you have. I think the model is wearing one that is fully, like, a foot longer than the one you, that you knit. Stop it. <laughs> it hits her, like, low hip mm-hmm. in, the, in the photo. And yours, yours would be, like, a little crop top on her, I think. Maybe. Or <laughs> maybe she's, like, five foot two. I mean, and, yeah, she may not be as tall and as you are. And it's the same length. And we <laughs> just wear them and they fit us how they fit us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, the rift top is super cute. There's also in Jackie Cieslack's new book, Embody, I want to say it's, is it Darren? Darian, the, the knit top that mm. has many different options because you can add sleeves or do it as a cardigan. But I've seen like cute kind of like cropped t-shirt versions of it that I think are super adorable and her work is fantastic. So you all should support her and get that pattern or get the book. Get the book. Let's see. What other... Hmm, maybe something we could all be knitting together. Oh, interesting. Perhaps a sorrel sweater? What? Or tea or crop? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there is a great opportunity for you to dabble in warm weather knits by joining our spring knit along. We are knitting sorrel from the sorrel collection, I'm going to say. The sorrel family. Yeah. <laughs> there's the sorrel, there's the summer sorrel, and the spring sorrel. And we're leaning heavy on the spring and summer sorrel because we're it's our spring knit along. The sorrel is long-sleeved and kind of like high crew-necked, I would say. But the spring sorrel is cropped and short-sleeved, DK weight. Yes. And the summer sorrel is... <laughs> More t-shirt style. The body's longer and it's knit with fingering weight yarn. And we cast on on Sunday. Yeah. And I think on the podcast last week, I talked about, I'm thinking, I was thinking about knitting the original Mm -hmm. because I wanted the long sleeves and I've actually changed my mind. Mm -hmm. I'm going to knit the summer one and I might just knit long sleeves on it because for me personally, I like the neck, the neckline of the summer one. I think I will wear it more and like it better. Mm-hmm. than the original one even though the original one is like it's so beautiful it's super beautiful and also i feel like i wearing it on a regular basis will not look as striking as the photos of abby Nitz in the forest it's dramatic like the photography oh yeah is so fantastic like it's breathtaking but anyways they're all beautiful and you are welcome to choose any one of those patterns and join us for this knit along I am knitting the summer sorrel as well in the short sleeve version because I want short sleeves. Let's see. So the knit along has started. Yes, we officially cast on. This will air on Tuesday. We just cast on on Sunday officially. But you can join at any time. Yeah. And we'll be knitting together through the end of May. You can participate in the knit along by posting pictures of your project. And using the hashtag MakeGoodSorrel, so that way we can see them. It's two R's, one L. Yes, (laughs) S-O-R-R-E-L. And feel free to comment and have conversations like on your posts or in the comments of any of our Instagram posts about the knit along, like talk to each other because it's exciting. We don't have a Facebook group or a Ravelry group because it's too many groups and we just can't manage them. But another way you could connect with other knit-along people is joining us at our craft night, and you can actually talk to people. Yeah. 
and see their projects while they're working on that would be fun too. Which is really neat. So when we started doing craft night on Zoom, Mm -hmm. we had folks who had like moved who came and joined us, which was amazing. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. that provided an opportunity that wasn't there when we were just in person. And then when we started Panguono, we had a lot of folks drop in who had never been part of the in-person group. And that was so exciting. And it was so great to get to like see people and chat with people. And it's it's a fun group. Mm -hmm. And we would love to have you join us. Let's see, while we're talking about the knit-along, just a couple more details if you're just hearing of it now. So you participate with the hashtag. You do not need to be finished with your project when we button things up at the end of May. As long as you have started and have made some posts and used the hashtag, you'll be entered to win the prize for the knit-along, which is a random drawing selected out of those tagged photos yes so we don't care if you're done or not like we we do care we want you to finish and have something to wear but not on deadline because that's not cool yeah we like our we like our knit alongs to be laid back and fun yeah no no forced speed knitting that's it's no one's friend yeah so join us it'll be good what is the prize Oh, yeah. You probably want to know that. So besides (laughs) the fact that you will get to wear an amazing new sweater that you've knit for yourself or t-shirt or crop, whatever, you can win a $150 gift card to Scratch. So you can choose your next summer knit or get yourself some knitter's blocks or interchangeable needles or whatever you want. Do we have something new in the store that fans of the podcast might be particularly interested in on our store that you can buy with your gift card? At our store? Sure, probably. Let's see. What do we have? We have merch. Ah! We have merch. <laughs> of course we have merch. She's like mouthing it at me across the table. I'm like, what word is that? It's merch. We made Make Good Podcast merch. And we're super excited. Go check out our merch, which you can do on the scratchsupplyco.com under swag. There's a section for Make Good Merch. Should we check in with what we've been watching? Should we do our Netflix and chill thing? Yeah. What, what have we been watching, Karen? We've been watching Shit's Creek. Oh my God. It's so good, you guys. <laughs> I don't know how or why I was so resistant to watching this yeah. because I kind of love everyone on this show. Like Catherine O'Hara, oh my heart. Yeah. Yeah. It's just really good. Somebody described it to us as it's like arrested development with all the rough edges sanded off. And it is absolutely that. And like, man, I'm, I'm tired of cynicism, you know, and it's just, it's not cynical. It's like, it's like the thing we were talking about last week. I like shows that like their characters. Like mm-hmm. the, the thing I liked about the, we are the champions, the cheese racing was how impressed the show was with all of the impressive things these people were doing in their niches that they didn't know about. I like how much the show likes all of the characters on Schitt's Creek. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's wonderful. I love it. Anyways, it's it's my joyful evening knitting that keeps me from falling asleep while I'm knitting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's the best. Yes. I would be shocked if any of them were hand knit. But David has a really impressive sweater collection, and I think intarsia versions of such things could could be done. I think some might exist. I could be wrong, but I feel like I've seen yeah. patterns. We should explore that sometime. And while we're watching Schitt's Creek, what's on your needles, Karen? I've done very poor knitting this week. I'm still working on my Barnhart. I just cast on my Summer Sorrel. Mm-hmm. But I... I haven't gotten much knitting done. That's okay. Some weeks are like that. Yeah. 
It's not a race. Yeah. There's been a lot going on and I'm right at a part in both of my projects that I like need to pay attention to. And like, Mm -hmm. by the time I sit down, I'm like, I'm too tired and I'm going to mess this up. And then it just hasn't, it hasn't happened much, but how about you? What's on your needles? Uh, ripple butt shorts, which are magical, which you've been knitting pretty fast. Yeah. I'm cruising along. I really like three by three rib. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, because I have a lot of it. <laughs> but to not cover small my entire human butt. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're fantastic, and I'm so excited to be done with them. And then also my summer sorrel, which is fantastic. I'm using Smooth Sock from Hypothesis Yarns in the colorway in Fauna. It's so pretty. And it's really pretty. It's kind of peachy, and there's some green action going on. It feels very botanical which is what I wanted for my sorrel. Yes. Yeah. She was like going around the store trying to pick colors and really wasn't open to any colors that didn't have like a botanical thing in the colorway name. Yeah. I just, I, it was a feeling I had and yeah. I'm happy with it. So that's where I am. Also, I will probably talk about it next week, but I'm starting a test knit for oh, another yeah. designer too, which is so exciting. Yeah. It's um, an Alicia Plummer design and it uses spin cycle and... I haven't picked my other yarn yet, so I'll tell you more next week. But that'll be fun. It's another t-shirt. Summer weight top. Warm weather knit. Yeah, it's good. Jessica. Karen. Are you ready? Maybe. For a letter. Yes, let's do it. So this letter comes from Mary. Hi, Mary. I'm a longtime knitter, mostly sweaters for myself and deserving family. I made socks once, maybe 15 years ago, and hated them. The cuff didn't stretch, they felted when I washed them, and they were very bumpy inside my shoes. The texture wasn't good for the soles of my feet. I recently purchased some beautiful sock yarn from an indie dyer I found on Instagram, Brine Dye Works, and just as an aside, Brine Dye Works makes gorgeous yarn. Super beautiful. The yarns are so lovely, and I want to love the socks I make with them, but when I search for sock patterns, it's overwhelming. There are so many to choose from. I think I want toe-up socks, and the yarn is speckled, so something that will show off the colors. Content is 75 merino, 25 nylon, so I don't think it will felt. You often talk about knitting socks. What patterns do you love? What tips do you have so the cuff bind-off will stretch? Oh, Mary, this is fun. You've asked good (laughs) questions, and I have pattern suggestions for you. So I, first of all, with a 75% superwash merino, 25% nylon blend, you shouldn't have felting if you machine wash those socks. I will admit that I am not always nice to my hand knit socks, and I will wash them in the washing machine with jeans. I will run them through the dryer, and for the most part, they're in pretty good shape. More recently, I've been washing my socks in the washing machine, and sometimes I'll throw them up on like a little hanger to just air dry, but that's up to you. And you can experiment with how you care for your socks. Some people hand wash them and lay them flat to dry, and that surely will make them last longer. But the high nylon percentage and the superwash merino should keep them pretty safe from felting. As an aside, that high percentage of nylon will really help you get longer wear out of them too. But socks are socks, and at some point you'll walk through them. So they may need a little bit of darning that's always a good skill for a knitter to have. Um, So as far as patterns go, I think that maybe really in the last year or so, 
I've gotten into toe-up socks. Historically, I was always a cuff-down sock knitter, and in that direction, I liked the twisted German cast-on or old Norwegian cast-on at the cuff of my sock so that it was stretchy and comfortable. But really, at this point in my sock knitting life, I think toe-up socks are where it's at for me because I like to be able to evenly split my yarn and then just knit the socks for as long as I want them, as long as I have yarn available. So a couple of different patterns I would recommend checking out are, one, the trusty toe-up socks from Tannis Lavallee. They are shown in like the pattern pictures with self-striping yarn. They're really kind of vanilla, like super simple pattern, and I think would be a good place to start. This year, like this calendar year, and I guess through the winter, Karen and I have knit quite a few pairs of the DRK Everyday Socks from Andrea Mowry. Those are fun. They're toe-up, they're ribbed, they have a flegal heel, which is a kind of fun, different heel construction. You don't see it as often in socks, and that would be great for, for indie dyed yarn, like fantastic. Another option that I think is really fun when you're trying to figure out what type of socks you like knitting is the Sunday socks pattern. Not Sunday like the day of the week, Sunday like an ice cream Sunday. And that pattern is from Shannon Squire, and it's written for shorty socks, but they only have to be shorty socks if you don't want to knit a cuff. You could make them long socks, you could make them knee socks, you just knit some more. But the nice thing about this pattern is that it's kind of a choose-your-own-adventure pattern. You can knit them cuff down. You can knit them toe up. I think there are a couple of different heel options. So it's like an ice cream sundae bar where you get to pick all of your favorite things to create a pair of socks that you like. So that's a good one. Another pair of toe-up socks that I really like are the Elephant Socks from Dawn Henderson. They are toe-up and they have some texture Uh, So it's not just stockinette knitting or ribbing, but it's not so like finely detailed that you're going to really lose that texture because of the indie dyed yarn that you're working with. I think it's like a nice, happy medium place and you can make those as long or as short as you want, I think, by just knitting more or less. Now, regarding the stretchy cuffs for the toe up socks. I am going to defer to Karen here because she taught me this as a method for having comfortable cuffs. Elizabeth Zimmerman's Sewn by Knopf. Mm-hmm. It's the best. I use it for almost everything now. I use it for my sweaters. I use it for my sleeves and definitely for socks. You need a tapestry needle. You need kind of a lot of yarn to do it. That's where the guideline where they say to break your yarn with a length that is three times as long as the length of what you need to bind off. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, like if the circumference of your sock is, I don't know, 10 inches at where you're binding off, you're going to need 30 inches of yarn to do the sewn bind off. It's kind of like half of a Kitchener stitch. Mm-hmm. And depending on the tutorial that you look at, sometimes they tell you this and sometimes they don't. Uh, You definitely want to flip and work your sewn bind off so that you're looking at the inside of your fabric. Don't flip your sock inside out, just like turn it. So you're looking at the inside part of the sock and work your sewn bind off that way. So you're like going counterclockwise instead of clockwise around the cuff. Because there's nothing bad that will happen if you go the other way, but it just looks cleaner Mm -hmm. the other way. And I've seen tutorials that mention that. I've seen tutorials that omit it. 
I have definitely omitted it and I like it better when I don't. So high recommend for Elizabeth Zimmerman's sewn bind off. It's really, it's so it's stretchy and nice. I, um, when I do it after every stitch, I do a little tug to just kind of even out the yarn and make sure that it like is going to have stretchiness to it. And it doesn't do that. You know, sometimes if you like go overboard with a stretchy bind off, you use like the Jenny's super stretchy bind off. It can make kind of like a flare. A ruffle. Yeah. And, you know, you don't really want that for socks because then they're going to fall down, right? Like that Mm -hmm. definitely has a place and the top of your socks is not that place because you're going to end up with slouchy, sad socks. It doesn't do that. It's great. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah, it's totally worth trying. I was like, "Mm, I don't know if I want to sew the top of my socks. I'm just going to bind off. And was like, wait, I bound off too tight. I've got to pull this whole thing out. (laughs) Maybe I will try it. And it really is nice. So I would, I would agree with Karen, go, go on the YouTubes and see if you can find a clear tutorial that will help guide you. We can probably link one in the show notes. Yes, we can do that. It's not as tough to remember as Kitchener stitch because you're only dealing with two stitches at a time. It's you work You work backwards through two stitches, out through the top stitch, drop it off the needle. Work backwards through the next two, work out through the top one, drop it off the needle. It's just that over and over. It's just a stitch for a while. That's right. (laughs) You can do it. Yeah. Good luck. Thanks, Mary. So I think that's it for us today. Thanks for listening. If you're not currently subscribed, you can find Make Good wherever you listen to podcasts. You should subscribe. You should tell your friends bring other knitters into the fold. Can we just say also, for those of you who have been telling your friends, thank you. Wild things are happening. It's like, kind of fun and exciting. Yeah, it's kind of fun and exciting and we really appreciate it. So thank you. Mm-hmm. And while you're telling your friends, also get onto Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you do your thing and rate and review us so people people know that you like us. Um, <laughs> You can follow us on Instagram. You definitely should follow us on Instagram if you are going to participate in the spring knit along. We are at Make Good Pod. Oh, and the other part of participating in the knit along is you need to follow Make Good Pod and Scratch Supply Co. So do that. Join us. Let's see. And send us letters. Ask us questions. We want to hear from you. You can email us, Dear Scratch at Scratch Supply Co. is our email address. And we will talk to you next week. Bye.